0: What up, world? It's your pass, first point guard, and Blazer beat writer, Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's show, we're going to talk about a big old blockbuster trade. And then I want to fill you in on some highlights from Trailblazers Media Days, a several day long event over video conferencing from the Blazers practice Facility. But let's, before we get there, before we talk about the Blazers and their next season, let's talk about a major trade that's going to impact them. This evening, Wednesday evening, the Washington Wizards agreed to send John Wall and a 2023 first round pick to the Houston Rockets in exchange for Russell Westbrook. You may recall Russell Westbrook from being the MVP of the league in 2017. And also for being a certified Damian Lillard nemesis. So what I want to do here in the first segment is just talk about what this trade means. I want to address it because it's a big deal. Um, If you were listening to an NBA podcast ahead of the NBA season and they don't address the big trade where an MVP gets traded for a former all-star, they're doing it wrong. I didn't want to do it wrong. I wanted to bring you the big news and and kind of tie it into um, the team that you root for. So let us let me start with sort of my initial reactions, and then we'll tie it back into what it means for the Trailblazers, because it certainly has an impact on Portland and the whole Western Conference and the whole league, etc. First, um, this was inevitable. When Russell Westbrook made his trade request clear, um, he was going to get traded. It was just a question of when. I had said on this podcast, if you listened, that I thought it would be down the road a little bit. I thought it would be maybe at the trade deadline or maybe even next summer, and the, the Rockets would. Just try to figure it out in the near term, but it wasn't going to happen that way. It, it became clear uh, today when the Rockets. It became clear to me when the Rockets started doing media day interviews and that they were saying them out on social media, and I didn't see Russell Westbrook and James Harden. I said, "Man, there's this team has some funky chemistry." It was later reported that Russell Westbrook did not ever show up to Houston for training camp. So a combination of him saying trade me and then not reporting is a pretty good way to get traded. According to Adrian Wodronowski of ESPN, basically Tommy Shepard and Raphael Stone, Tommy Shepard, the GM of the Wizards, and Stone, the GM of the Houston Rockets, had discussed this sort of trade parameters that had been rumored about a month ago, Um, and then the they just stopped talking that the trade talks kind of died down and never went anywhere. And then today they got back on the phone and within a couple hours, this trade was finalized. To me, that seems like stone was like, maybe we can figure it out with Russ. You know, maybe we can figure it out with Russ. And then it was clear that maybe they can't. And so he shipped him to a place, you know, an obvious place where there was a fit for him. I think for on the Houston side, let's start there. Trading Russell Westbrook for sort of a money neutral deal where you don't have to take back more years and you aren't saddled with an even more onerous contract than the one Russell Westbrook already has, I think is a good deal for Houston. Getting Finding that trade and getting a, a draft pick out of it and not having to attach draft picks to get rid of Russell Westbrook is, is good for Houston. They did the right thing. Um, but just from a basketball standpoint... Russell Westbrook is better than John Wall. I I kind of think he's always been better than John Wall and certainly now that John Wall has missed two consecutive seasons with uh a knee injury and then the Achilles injury, it just you I just can't imagine that John Wall is ever going to play better than Russell Westbrook. And that's kind of what I want my point here to be is that I think Russell Westbrook is like obviously flawed. He's uh he's not a good defender cuz he just gambles and plays goes for steals and is it He's more of an agent of chaos than a helpful defensive player. Certainly not a good team defender, uh, despite his athletic gifts. He's just bad at that end. He can't shoot. He's one of, you know, by some metrics, he's one of the worst jump shooters in the history of the NBA. Him and Charles Barkley, you know, two Hall of Famers. And so you kind of earn that distinction by getting the ball a lot. But he's still very good. He averaged 27-7-7 and 7 last year. Uh, from d- January to March, Russell Westbrook was just a really good basketball player. He's weird, he can't shoot, and he can't play, and he's not a very good defensive player. But he's really good at things he's good at. He's a um, he's a great downhill attacker with a spread floor. Like he's, you put shooters around him and let him just do what he does. Like if you play to his strengths, he can still be a really good basketball player. I'm not sure John Wall. I'm not sure what John Wall's going to be after this these injuries. But you know he's more of a distributor and a guy who needs the ball in his hands more than Russell Westbrook. So to me, the Rockets got worse. Uh, I'm not sure that the that the Wizards got appreciably better, but um, I'm pretty certain that the Rockets got worse in the near term and likely for the long term. And that's where I want to tie this into the Trailblazers. The Rockets. As the Rockets, if they had just gone into the season with Westbrook and James Harden, regardless of sort of like the bad vibes around the team, and there certainly are those, um, but they were going to be a playoff team because they just because talent wins out in the league, Um, you know, at some point. You have to fall back on chemistry when sort of talent is relatively equal. Asked the Los Angeles Clippers in the playoffs, but um, to to a long degree, like maybe into the second round of the NBA playoffs, you can have bad chemistry, you can have bad vibes, and just talent will win. Um, the regular season is just is a talent rewarder. If you're if you're good enough, you'll just keep winning. And I think the Rockets were going to be right there if they brought the team back. Um, they took a step back with this. They they're going to be worse. I'm not sure they're like totally out of the playoffs. James Harden is pretty much like a whole offense unto himself, and they added some okay pieces like Christian Wood, maybe to Marcus Cousins if you're into it. I'm sure, John Wall is college homies, um, but they, they so I'm not sure they're totally out of the playoffs with even the downgrade from Westbrook to Wall. Assuming um, Wall's available to play for you know, 65 games of the 72-game season. But they're going to be worse. Like, they're not as good as they were. They're worse this tonight than they were this morning. I think um, I, I'm confident in saying that. And I think that's good news for the Blazers because... The Blazers have—they're better. The Blazers are certainly better than they were last season. A Significant upgrade from sort of day one this year than day one last year. Um, just health-wise and and depth and all those things. Just you know even outside of the additions they made, but th- they were still going to be in a dogfight. They're still going to be in a very serious very serious competition to get a good playoff seed to get into the playoffs and get a seed they wanted and anytime one of the other powers in the western conference not the the rockets I think were like a championship level team but they were a very good team and they got worse and anytime a team that's ahead of you or right near you in the standings gets worse that's a good deal this is a good trade for the for the blazers because i think the rockets got worse and it's in a good trade for the blazers for one other one other reason while they just picked up John Wall, who has three more years and 130 million dollars left on his contract. This, to me, is a signal that the James Harden trade is coming. At some point, they're going to trade James Harden, be it tomorrow morning or in March or next summer. They're going to move on from this era. They're going to trade James Harden. And this is just another signal. I don't think this was, hey, let's you you know, Russ and you aren't really aren't really vibing. Let's try it. Let's try another experiment. This is this era of Rockets basketball has failed. Let's move on to a new one. And part of that difficult transition is going to be trading away a transcendence player in James Harden. Um I'm sure if you are a Blazers fan listening to this that you don't care for James Harden and not, that is your right to do so, but he's really 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 good. He's one of the 10 best players in the league. He's just um he's a you know, he's like I said, he's an offense unto himself. So um I think this trade is is the signal that the Rockets this era of the Rockets is being torn down and the James Harden from 2012 to sometime in 2021, I would guess. Will be his his stint there in Houston, and uh, the Rockets might get a good haul back for James, but they're going to get worse in the in the again in the near term and likely the long term after that. And more less Western Conference teams that are going to be right there in the hunt for the Blazers is very good news. So that's my take on the big time Westbrook for Wall swap. Beyond the Blazers stuff, like it's fun. It's fun when players get traded. Um, John Wall at his peak was really fun. Russell Westbrook can be um, really excellent. It's fun when stars get traded for each other. Imagine this trade happening like in 2014. It would have blown our minds. But it didn't. It happened in 2020, uh, and it's um, it's a signal of two eras shifting. Uh, the the Wizards like really changing an era from you know first overall pick John Wall spent a decade in D.C. and the Rockets pivoting away maybe entirely from a James Harden era, and this might be step one in that pivot. In the second segment, I want to talk about Trailblazers Media Days. Uh, they've Instead of having one singular media day in the current climate, they're rolling out a couple players a day. Uh, there's been some interesting takeaways from the first two days of video conferencing. So what I want to walk you through in the, uh, in the second segment is what is Damian Lillard telling Neil Olshey during the offseason? But first, let's talk about Bill Bar. You know Bill Bar? It's the best tasting protein bar ever. If you don't know Bill Barr, it's the best tasting protein bar ever. Coconut almond, German chocolate, peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie, salted caramel, orange, toffee almond, lemon almond cheesecake, cherry barcia, caramel brownie, cookies and cream. That's just a bunch of their 18 amazing flavors that these protein bars come in. They're all covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. They've got that candy bar-like texture. If you have dabbled in the world of protein bars in the past, you know that some of them are gross. Gross. They are chalky and dry. Let me tell you, Built Bar is not getting down like that. They're not making chalky, dry, gross bars. They're making the best tasting protein bar ever. It's They're delicious. But if the deliciousness doesn't sell you, what if I told you they're really good for you too? They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high in fiber. So get your hands on these delicious and nutritious bars. To do that, you want to go to builtbar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get 20% off your next order. Not your first order, your next one. Keep using the promo code. One more time for you. That's promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. All right. So we talked about the Russell Westbrook and John Wall trade. And when I had planned out this episode earlier today, this morning, when I was kind of getting ready, I had another segment planned. I was going to do Blazers over-unders. We got some fun over-unders sent in by a listener. Plus, I was going to grab some other fun ones from around the league. But then a blockbuster trade happened. So instead, that's what shows coming in your feed on Thursday. Check your feeds. We're doing Blazer over-unders. We got some great predictions on team wins, on individual performances, all types of stuff. Make sure to check your feed. It'll be waiting right where you found this one. But that will have to wait for another day. For now, we're talking media days. I want to call it media day. In my notes, I have the S in parentheses. Because it's happened over multiple days. This used to be one thing. I think social media has kind of killed media days. Uh, It used to be, you know, way back when that media day was like, yo, what have you been doing? But now you can just follow these guys on Instagram and you can know what they're doing, what their partner is doing, what their mom is doing, what their brother is doing. Like it's, um, you have, you have much more insight into their lives. You don't need um, them to come to a press conference to be like, oh yeah, I, you know, I went on vacation and I've been boxing a little bit. Like you've, you've seen it on, um, on the social media feeds so you already know but th- that doesn't mean that guys don't answer questions and i think there's some real i think there's some stuff you can learn um at at media day still even if sort of like the let's catch up aspect of media day has has uh, gone the way of the dinosaur gone the way of the dodo what is your preferred extinction metaphor uh tweet at me dodo or dinosaur let me know mike g rich on twitter um but in any case, I think there's a handful of takeaways. This one I want to share with you uh, in these second and third segment to close out the show. But I want to start with um, one one of the early questions. Damian Lord spoke with the, uh, the media for about 45 minutes, uh, basically as almost the combined length that his teammates have spoken with the media since. Um, it's just the kind of guy he is. He's a loquacious fellow, and he's um, very accommodating. It's a reason why um, people like him. He gives good answers, and he talks a lot. But one of the early questions in that session was kind of just like, what, what was Dame's message to Neil Olshey in the offseason? And it was exactly what you would think. Dame told Neil, let's go for it. Let's go try to win a championship. And I don't think that this is particularly groundbreaking, y'all. But I do think it is... I do think it is a difference in tone from what we've heard from Dame in the past. He has always believed, if I'm here and we're doing it, I think we can win a championship. And I think last year they maybe were a little too loud in touting, we are a championship level team, when they just weren't. They just weren't that. Um, I know that they felt that, and and I think Dame earnestly felt that. I don't think he was lying, um, but they weren't, and and then they found out right away, like you know, ten, 10 days into the season, like oh maybe you know maybe, you know three days in the season Zach was hurt, but ten days in the season was like we don't have the depth to be. Um, even one of the the really competitive teams. Like, we're going to be a scrappy team, and that's how that's going to be much more of our identity. And it ended up, you know, they scrapped their way into the playoffs as an eighth seed, but that, that's not, you know, that's very different from, um, from being a championship level team. So to me, what's noteworthy is not that Damian Lord said to Neil, hey, let's go win a championship. I think that's his message every year. But I think it's the tone in which it was. I think. To me, the big difference in last year when Dame said, we're going to win championships, we f- we're going to win the championship because we're good and we feel like we can do it, or we're going to compete for a championship because we feel like we can do it. This year was like, hey, let's let's take this, the next step. Let's do the things necessary to take the next step because otherwise we're going to be known as a team with good chemistry or a team that got along well or a team that, a team that did things the right way and was competitive. And I think what that to me, what that reads as is that Damian Lillard is 30 years old and he's entering his ninth NBA season and he has accomplished a great deal. Um, you know, he doesn't have a ton of sort of individual accolades, but he's been an all NBA. He's been an all star. They made the Western conference finals. Um, they've, you know, won playoff series when for a, a long time, more than a decade, this team wasn't doing that. You know, he's, He's kind of rescued them from the depths and put them back in sort of that like hey this is a team that will be tough in the playoffs and that's about it. And I think the I think what Dame the tone shift is that Dame doesn't want to be a guy who was pretty good and set this great organizational culture and didn't win. He's he's been pretty good. He set the organizational culture. He's checked those off on his career resume. Um, when you're sort of running down his list on his um, at, when he retires from the league, the the relatively good team success and incredible culture setter will be at the top of 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 I keep want to say epitaph, but that, that's not what it is. It'll be at the top of it'll be the first graph in the story to use a newspaper term for y'all. But Dame, is he senses that that graph is written, that the lead is written, and he wants to change the lead. So to me, I don't think it's particularly noteworthy that Damian Lillard told Neil Olshay, let's really go for it. I think it's noteworthy that his tone shifted sort of in this. It was a little more inward in these interviews. It was like, I take care of my body, and I train, and I do all these things, and I want to win. And every year we talk about championships. And that's, they, you know, someone asked him, what do you and CJ talk about? It's like, well, first of all, we're friends. We talk all the time. But second of all, like, we talk about winning because we both want to win. And instead of being like, I think we can do it this year, I think it was Dame being, taking a little bit wider view and saying, like, yeah, we always want to win, but now's the time. I don't think, I think. Maybe it's me from the outside saying I noticed this sense of urgency from him as he's getting older because there's just this way we think about athletes. But no doubt about it, there was a shift in tone from this is a championship level team to we've got to do the things to allow us to be a championship level team because if we don't, we're not going to be remembered for anything that we accomplished this year Because we've already written the story. I've already done it again. I don't want deja vu. I want a new chapter. And I think that, to me, that was the shift in in Dame's Media Day tone. Is that he, he knows what you're going to say about him. And he appreciates it. But he wants you to add a new sentence to that lead graph. All right, let's come back in the third segment. I got a couple more news and notes from Media Day. I'll share with you the best nuggets. Still a pass for his point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listening to Locked On Blazers. We talked Russell Westbrook, John Wall Swap. Talked a little bit about Damian Lillard's change in tone and his pursuit of a championship here in Rip City. But while Dame gave the longest interview during me- the media day sessions, both because he's the best player, he's going to garner the most attention, and he's um, maybe the most forthcoming with his answers and-, and long-winded in his responses, he wasn't the only one to speak. In addition, Terry Stotts, CJ McCollum, Zach Collins, and Rodney Hood have spoken with the media over the last couple days. Let me give you some highlights from those. I think Dames was the most notable. Also, what Dame says just naturally the most notable, but I think there's some other things we learned. One of the things we learned is that I think Carmelo Anthony is not going to be a starter, as we've kind of established, but it sounds like he's going to be a finisher. What I mean by that is that Terry Stotts said that he basically outright, in the way that Terry can confirm things, he's never very, very firm with the media. He always kind of leaves a little wiggle room, but... Um, Derrick Jones Jr. and Robert Covington are going to start. If you've listened to this podcast, uh, I guessed wrong and thought it was going to be Rocco and Rodney Hood. More on Rodney Hood here in a second, but it's going to be Derek Jones Jr. and Robert Covington starting at the power forward spots. Dame, CJ, Derek, Rocco, Nurk. I'm having trouble figuring out what to call Derek Jones Jr. I hate the nickname Airplane Mode. DJJ doesn't just roll off the tongue. And, um, I don't know what the guys call him yet, and typically I just fall back on whatever. If like when I'm talking to one of the, his teammates and they say, "Oh yeah, D," then I'll just call him D. I'll, I'll roll with that. So um, it's to be decided on what I call Derek, Derek Jones Jr. on this podcast, but I want y'all to know I'm struggling. But in any case, those two gentlemen, Derek Jones Jr. and, and Robert Covington, are going to start at the forwards. So Carmelo Anthony is going to have a bench role. Stotts talked about how he had spoken with Melo about that, you know, particular um, particular role, but. Importantly, he mentioned, and Neil has mentioned it, and Dame has now mentioned it, that that Carmelo Anthony will close games. And to me, that reads as, here's the agreement, Melo, you're not going to start because that doesn't make sense. But we really, particularly early in the season, you are guaranteed to play crunch time minutes. And who finishes the game is important in the league. Damian Lord talked about how when teams kind of size you up in important games, they just it's sometimes about respect. And they all, and even at 36, teams are going to respect Carmelo Anthony because they know the resume. And having more guys that defenses respect makes his job easier. Neil talked about how finishing games is more important than starting games. I don't know if that's totally true, and if for every NBA player, but I think it's important. And and Terry talked about it too, that he sees uh, a crunch time role, a finishing type role for Carmelo Anthony. So where I don't well I think it's very clear he's coming off the bench. I think it is set in stone that your finishing lineup is Dame, CJ, Robert Covington, Carmelo Anthony and Nurk unless a very specific matchup does not allow for that to happen. But I I'm going to say night one, 100% chance. That's your crunch time lineup barring, you know, foul trouble or something. Another interesting nugget that the Blazers talked about which is kind of just like a uh Media day bingo card is like accountability on defense. Everyone talks about I want to force more turnovers on defense. I want to play faster. I want to. Now it's like I want to shoot more threes and move the ball more. And like um, these are just kind of like tropes that every team runs out. But um, the Blazers talked about accountability. Uh, both Dame and C.J. spoke on it. They were asked directly about their own defense by Jason Quick. So being like they brought it up at at media day is. Um, not exactly how it went down. Dame talked about how the team needs to improve, and that includes him. Um, but, but he was asked specifically about his defense. CJ was asked specifically about his defense. And they're both open, like, we need to improve. CJ very, very open, saying, like, for this team to get better, the guards have to be better defensive players, and that's me and Dame. Um, that's about as open as they've ever been. This time of year is when teams talk about defensive improvement, um, it's I think it's notable that they are taking that responsibility. It's notable that when they were specifically asked about it, they specific ad, ad, specifically addressed it and noticed and noted their weaknesses. But let's you know let's let's revisit this in January if they look um, if this looks like a much better defensive team, then we can start getting excited about it and talk about where Damon CJ have improved. But for now, them mentioning it is important and significant. But to me, um, to me, it's third on my list. Let me just put it that way. Another interesting uh, little nugget is that both Dame and Terry Stotts talked about starting strong, which like, yeah, it's better to win games than lose them. Um, so you might as well win them early on. But I do think uh, I do think the situation they were in last year kind of emphasized like how a sluggish start puts you in such a scramble mode. And um obviously the, there might not be like a bubble situation this year where there's a hiatus and then you, and then there's a crazy schedule crunch. But I think that push the sort of like last 10 game scramble last eight, eight games in the bubble, scramble nine games with the playing game. Um, that scramble took a lot out of them physically and, and, and emotionally and mentally. So, uh, not putting themselves in that scramble position where they can actually, um, because the season is going to be condensed, because there's probably going to be some postponed and cancelled games or rescheduled games, postponed and rescheduled games. Um, you just you want to go ahead and and chalk up wins because the back half of the schedule might be a little more chaotic with with reschedules and um, there there could be some there could be some really just a bunch of games in a row and you just don't want to put yourself. It's going to be tight. The West is going to be tight, but I think what they learned is like. They, if they can avoid it, getting like avoiding that absolute scramble mode so they're a little bit um, rested is going to be really valuable. But again, like this is like a media day trope. We need to start strong. Um, f- fourth on my list because it's basically a bingo card topic of conversation. Two other little injury notes. Zach Collins confirmed mid-January. That's what Neil said. That's what I had reported on this podcast, kind of reading the tea leaves over some other reporting since August and then again early in October. But, you know, we got it from the horse's mouth. Zach, Zach Collins says that he's um, he's he's – going to be back mid-January. This is kind of what he always had projected. It's it's basically what he projected in an interview with Jason Quick of The Athletic in August, and it's what he's still saying now. He said it's about a four- to six-month recovery period and that he just hit the three-month mark last week. So early January would be the four-month mark, and then he'd be at sort of four-and-a-half to five by the time he would return. I think that's pretty reasonable. He said the doctor said he likes the way it's going. He hasn't had any setbacks. Um, he's, he's sort of, he's on track. Um, obviously there's a lot of questions. What, what on track looks like, what his role is going to be, but he says he thinks he's going to play a lot of four again this year. I think that's notable because if you listen to this podcast, you know that I think Zach Collins is a center. Um, if you've watched him play, you probably think he's a center too, but, um, they have Nurk and they have Ennis Cantor. And if he wants to get on the floor, he has to play some power forward. Um, He just, it just, it's the truth. Like, it's just if the way the roster is constructed and perhaps to make maximize his ability or maximize this team's ability to be a good rebounding defensive team, finding minutes for Zach Collins at the four is going to be imperative and it sounds like his in his conversations with management and the coaching staff that him playing a lot of power forward again this year is is definitely part of the plan uh i don't love it but also that's if he's gonna play that's where there's space for him last little bit of news is rodney hood says he's been playing three on three with contact for about three weeks hasn't played five on five yet and uh hopes to be doing that sort of as his last check mark as they get into training camp. But it's very likely Rodney Hood is going to start the season on a minutes restriction. He kind of hinted at it. Terry Stotts said it like out and out that that's probably going to be the case, which again, Terry not particularly um, firm on things. So when he says probably, that means a 100% chance that Rodney Hood will start the season on a minutes restriction. This isn't a big surprise. Dude's coming off the most devastating injury that a basketball player can sustain. An Achilles injury is no joke, and even if he's a year removed from sustaining the injury, it's still, it's still a big thing to come back from. So it's not a surprise. I think that in part plays into how the Blazers are approaching the starting lineup and approaching the rotation and all those things, but Hood is going to be available. Sounds like he's going to be available on opening night, but he's only going to be available probably in that, you know, you could guess like 15 to 20 minute range, which is also about what a bench player would expect to play in the league unless they were like a big time six man who... Soaks up thirty minutes despite not uh, starting the game. Like I mentioned at the top of segment number two, later this week we got Blazers over unders. So check your feed. We got fun predictions. Some sent to me by a listener of this podcast. Others I have called from the internet. I'll I'll give you my predictions on how this team's going to do. Some individual performance stuff. Over unders are fun. They're fun to look back on in the future. So um, if I you know I get them if I get these terribly wrong we can revisit them together and talk about how dumb I was back in December but um, that'll be in your feeds later this week tell your friends about this podcast it's available wherever they already get podcasts just search Locked on Blazers we'll be there waiting for you appreciate you listening talk to you soon